you think initially about investing on the surface level, it's like all about returns. But when you dig a little deeper into that, investing is actually not just about you know making money on your money, mm -hmm. but it's also about investing in the world and the future that you believe in. This episode of the Bloomex Podcast is brought to you by MCRO, who enables businesses to grow through handcrafted digital solutions of the future. MCRO is a web and mobile app development studio with a competent, dedicated, and experienced team focused on solving business challenges through fast-to-market and high-performance digital products. If you're looking to turn your disruptive ideas into reality or have a reliable strategic par tech partner, to explore options for your existing work, reach out to Henry Yu from MCRO for a chat over coffee or a bone shaker IPA. Your choice. And good. Cool. So I guess we're live or on. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah. Ready. Perfect. So routine uh, from Swissborg. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, we had a great conversation at uh, Levers event about crypto and blockchain and uh, uh, your role in it. Yep. So you started with uh, Swissborg this year, 2019. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, you came from a financial management background mm -hmm. and you did neuroscience and psychology at UFT. Yes, I did. Perfect. <laughs> Right, so same with me, I did neuroscience as well and really? went in a completely different industry, right? Um, so let's talk about that, right? Like, how'd you go from a neuroscience and psychology mm -hmm. background into wealth management, into financials, and now into um, crypto? Yeah. Blockchain? yeah. Yeah, so I guess this is a funny trend with us people from neuroscience is we end up doing nothing related to neuroscience. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in, you know, an Asian immigrant family. Yep. And you know, if anyone is from an Asian immigrant family, they'll understand that you pretty much have like two career choices in front of you, and that's like doctor, lawyer, mm -hmm. like maybe engineer, you know, like yeah. as a third backup option, yeah. right? Um, and so I went to a very small uh, high school. We had like 100 people per grade. And so I think back when I was 18, you don't really know what's out there. And you're surrounded by people um, and everyone in my high school were from similar backgrounds as I was. You know, mm -hmm. we grew up again in like this immigrant coming from, you know, China or India or wherever and their family starting a new life. Yeah. Um, where is this high school? In Toronto? No, it's in Edmonton. Edmonton, So okay. it's called Old Scone Academic. Um, and basically everyone there was pretty much from similar background as I was. Mm -hmm. um, so back at 18, you don't really see all the different career opportunities out there. Um, and everyone's basically thinking, okay, I'm going to become a doctor or lawyer because those are the only career options that are acceptable on the planet kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of drilled into you. Um, so when I went to university, yep. I thought, okay, what would look great on my med school application? Neuroscience, yeah. right? Um, and so that's, that's what I ended up doing. And um, for me, the turning point was really in, I would say, almost my fourth year of university. Um, I was doing a internship at a hospital because, again, it would look great on my med school application. And um, what I found was that what I really loved was helping people find their passion in life. Mm -hmm. um, I worked as their volunteer placement intern. So it was my job, actually, to interview all the inter um, volunteers at this hospital and to help them understand what they want to do with their like kind of 
at the hospital, where they would best fit in with their skills. And I found that a lot more rewarding. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I was like, wait, this, this can actually be a job, right? Like, I don't have to be a doctor. Like, I enjoy this way more. Um, and I really admire all the doctors out there. But for me, it, it was like a wake-up call. And so in fourth year of university, I decided I actually wasn't going to become a doctor after all. And so that's how I fell into HR. Mm. And so when I graduated U of T, um, I ended up going to HR um, as a program at Sheridan because they had this awesome co-op program where you can get work experience. And I'm a big believer that, you know, you, you had the education component, but it's also important to get the work experience as well. Um, and that was kind of how I fell into wealth management. I'll be honest, I didn't kind of purposely decide I wanted to go wealth management. That, that was where I did my co-op. And um, I was really, really fortunate that when I got my job at IG Wealth Management, um, it was very much almost like a startup within a very, very large corporation. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. um, so was it a team that's been hired by a bigger company? I mean, how is it a startup with a, a new division? Yeah, so, so how IG Wealth Management's uh, business model worked was that um, we brought on people from uh, different industries and we helped them to start a financial planning practice on our platform. Mm -hmm. And so every single person that I helped hire was also an entrepreneur. Yep. And that was super, super interesting, I think, in kind of the corporate space because most of the time, you know, you're hired into a company and you're nine to five and here's your job description. But the really, really interesting thing for the, every single person I helped hire was that you know, they're leaving their corporate nine to five to come to a company that was still stable, still large, still had those, you know, resources, but they're building their own practice. They're building their own business. Um, and we would teach them and train them and all of that. And so that's kind of where I started falling in love with the whole kind of startup entrepreneurial environment because I had never been exposed to it before, yep. um, before my first job. And, uh, you know, I worked there for five years. I did a lot of different things, you know, helped build a new division. Um, and then, you know, by the time I had left there, I was reporting directly to one of our senior vice presidents. And we were, you know, looking over all of Ontario. Um, but I think for everybody who is in love with that startup and entrepreneurial environment, there's only so far you can go, even in a company like this, you know, um, at some point you're like, okay, I'm at a large corporation, even though there's that startup vibe, yeah. I really want to experience the true, the true thing for myself. Mm -hmm. And that was actually how I ended up in crypto and, and wealth management um, with uh, Swissboard, because it was kind of a combination of all the things I love. You know, I think that there is a huge issue with financial literacy and there's a huge opportunity within the Canadian market and actually just worldwide um, to really make an impact in terms of how wealth management is done. Because from my experience with IG, I know how it's done currently and I think we could do better. And I love kind of that whole innovative feel of the startup that move fast, you know. Yeah. Um, move fast and break things. Exactly, move fast, break things. So I think that's a little bit overused, but yes, move yeah. fast, break things, uh, which again, in a larger corporation, there's only so much you can do, yeah. right? Um, and so I really wanted to experience that for myself. And so after five years, I thought, you know what? It's time for me, if I want to grow, to really just push myself past that comfort zone because um, I got to a point where I just I was just so comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you go to work, you know, work from nine to five or whatever. You come home, repeat, 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 
and uh, I wanted to change. And so that's how I ended up where, where I am now. Awesome. So in, within crypto, like when did you get into crypto? Was it, did you get into a bit Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. did, uh, would you buy yourself um, mm -hmm. any cryptocurrencies? Uh, what's the interest there? Like how, how, how did that come about? Um, well, I would say uh, my interest in blockchain and crypto probably started, I would say, like maybe three years ago when I think, you know, Bitcoin and blockchain, those buzzwords kind of emerged um, into the ecosystem and, and the tech ecosystem. And back then I was like, what is this? Like, what is blockchain? What is crypto? And why are people talking about it? Yep. Right. Um, and so that's kind of when I started reading into the different articles, like, what is it? What's so exciting about the technology? Um, and kind of digging deeper into just the buzzword, mm. because I think right now, you know, there's all these buzzy words and no one really knows what it means or why it's exciting, right? And I'm one of those people that really likes to dig deep. Like, why? Why are people excited about this technology? Um, and so I started reading up on all these articles and all these different things. Um, and I think that's when I thought, hey, you know what? This is a technology that could really fundamentally change the way that we do business. Um, for me, I saw it from like a wealth management finance angle, but if you look at kind of different ways that people are using blockchain now, you know, there's more than just, you know, wealth management, right? Um, and I would say Bitcoin is, I want to differentiate between blockchain yep. and cryptocurrency, right? Blockchain is the technology that powers it, but Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies are one of the things that kind of fell out of that that um, technology and Bitcoin being the most popular. Um, I own a little bit of Bitcoin myself. I haven't invested in the other ones because um, deep down I'm kind of risk adverse when it comes to investments. Yep. And uh, for the you know past couple of years, I've been paying off those student loans, so that was my priority. Um, but yeah, like I, I really think that if you understand like tokenization and the way that blockchain tokenizes different assets. Um, it really presents a very exciting way for how the world can move forward in terms of how we invest. Mm. Um, do you want me to dig a little deeper? Yeah, into let's that? do it. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Yep. Um, let's say you have two portfolios, right? And one gives you a 9% return per year and the other gives you seven. Which one would you invest in if they were both equal on everything? The one that provides a higher return. Obviously, right? Yeah. Obviously, 9%, right? Um, but let's say now um, I give you a little bit more context. 9% uh, portfolio, you're invested in companies that, uh, you know, are cold powered and uh, they're making all these returns because, you know, they're using coal, child labor, I don't know, like treating their workers unfairly. So okay? exploitative businesses that exactly sort of and maximize the market return. Exactly. And that's 7%. Okay, is invested uh, that seven percent portfolio is invested in companies that you know have been vetted. So they um, are invested in clean energy. They um, you know uh, only source from fair trade suppliers and kind of are companies that are doing good ethical things. What would you invest in now? Would you give up that two percent? Yeah, I mean that's a challenging question. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, you're pretty spot on in that. I think there's a wide market that would 
you know, take that 2% hit mm-hmm. just to have more of an impact in the world. Uh, I know Wealthsimple mm-hmm. has a similar strategy where they have like an impact-based fund, yeah. a robo-trading fund, mm-hmm. and it's not as, it's a little bit more risk adverse than regular fund, mm-hmm. um, but that gives that good feel value. Mm-hmm. And you know what, for me, it, it, I mean, I don't know if I'll do it, to be honest, like do a deep <laughs> enough dive to care yeah. much for that yeah. 2% return, Yeah. right? But I see the value in it 100%. Right. So, um, I think, you know, again, everyone will be different, but I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. might actually give up that extra 2% return. And that's because when you think initially about investing on the surface level, it's like all about returns. But when you dig a little deeper into that, investing is actually not just about, you know, making money on your money, Mm -hmm. but it's also about investing in the world and the future that you believe in. Exactly. Right? Like people invest at a deeper level in the companies that are doing the things that they want to see in the world and they're investing in companies and things. But doesn't that also require a lot of transparency? Because It I, does. Because I does. agree completely. Like I would actually take that 2% cut mm-hmm. if I can see where my money's going and what exactly is impacting. Right. Um, that's the hardest part. That is the hardest right? part, right? So I think that's where, in a weird way, um, blockchain and and crypto really comes into play Mm -hmm. and like kind of the tokenization of the economy because right now a lot of investing is kind of like this black box right it's like hey ravi put your money in this fund and we'll make a nine percent return but you don't really know what you're invested into or if you're digging deeply into what you're investing into you're not really sure right um but I think one of the core principles of blockchain technology beyond just crypto is the whole idea of transparency of accountability right of being able to track where everything is coming from from source all the way to when it reaches the consumer like there's some really really interesting uh, companies in the space we just had a big you know blockchain conference in toronto uh, this week and i had the opportunity Sorry, what was that called uh it was called futurist futurist so, okay. yeah it's called yeah. futurist and it is the biggest blockchain conference in canada actually okay. and one of the really interesting things that they had there was they had uh, all of their uh, fruits and you know coffee and everything you could actually scan a QR code and see on the blockchain where this peach that you're eating at this conference came from all the way from the farmer to the person that harvested it all the way to you know the processor and then ultimately to you so I think that's one of the really really exciting things about blockchain technology is that promise of transparency. And then on the investing side of things is, again, the same thing, right? Today, um, you're investing in companies, and most of them, they have to be public, right, for you to invest in them, right? But with tokenization, and I don't know if you're familiar with the Mm -hmm. whole idea of um, STO, so securities tokens, right? You can actually tokenize not just, you know, public companies, in the way the stock market does, but you can actually tokenize private companies yeah. and invest in emerging companies that you believe in, right? So think of it almost like a, I don't know, like a, a Kickstarter, yeah. but for you know smaller companies and where you can own like a 1% or 0.1% or whatever percentage of a company. And it doesn't actually need to go public just yet. And you can kind of fund the future that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting things to me about, um, blockchain and cryptocurrency is not the whole like speculation and you know yes make these huge returns because other people believe that bitcoin's going to go up but the whole idea that you can create this whole economy around um investing in the companies that you believe in by tokenizing 
that company. And I think that's super, super exciting that I can create a portfolio of companies that you know, are all, I don't know, clean tech or create a portfolio of companies that are all, um, I don't know, investing in education. Right, uh, and through the blockchain you can validate exactly, that they are exactly right? provide so, the value system that they want. Yeah, exactly, and kind of create that accountability that really doesn't exist today because you know, blockchain, you have a public ledger, you have a public record of what they're doing, and, and that's something that I don't think the world currently really has, um, and I think blockchain has a lot of potential to change that. No, absolutely. Uh, I got super into SDOs because of Polymath, uh, mm -hmm. Trevor Kavorko. Um, when they launched Polymath, like, yeah. the, 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 the promise of what they were offering mm -hmm. was spectacular. Mm -hmm. um, the sense where you can you know, raise privately capital, uh, existing capital can be more transparent mm -hmm. and go into it. So this is what you guys do at Sysborg, it's a similar kind of concept. No, so uh, beyond just STOs, um, I think Swissborg's mission is actually really to create a community-centric uh, financial ecosystem, right? Mm -hmm. So not just focus. So I think Polymath is doing some really interesting things where they're using the STO platform to kind of make investing really easy as well as you know, invest, allowing people to invest in the companies they believe in. But Swissborg, I think we're a little bit more general than that, okay. right? We're creating a, what we call community-centric wealth management ecosystem. And what that means is, uh, for example, our company itself, uh, we are not funded by VC money. We're not funded by institutional money. We're purely funded by what we call the community. Mm -hmm. So uh, we raised our funds via an ICO last year. Okay. And we had kind of over 23,800 backers from 149 different countries around the world nice. um, who, you know, believe in this idea that, you know, we can create a platform in yeah. wealth management that's mm -hmm. truly about the people that are using it rather than, you know, the VCs or the institutions or whatever, the banks that are backing these startups, right? Um, and I think for us that creates a really unique opportunity because who else can say that we're really beholden, not to shareholders, but to the kind of grassroots community that supports us. And so we're starting off with education. So um, we created this free education app that is really meant to teach people um, the core principles of investing in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, the site. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> And then this, the second thing we're doing is we created this educational YouTube channel called Crypto Nights, okay. which is about, you know, where we interview and, and talk to thought leaders in the crypto space. Again, just to introduce people who are from maybe outside the crypto space to it. Yeah. Um, and also for people within the crypto space to kind of see different perspectives. And we actually had uh, one of the C-suite people from Polymath come on to, to our show. Um, recently and, and do an episode. Awesome. And then I guess what we're doing later this year is we are uh, actually launching our flagship product, which is what all our backers are expecting, and that's our wealth app. And what that does is it's creating a way for people to invest in cryptocurrency that someone without knowledge in the space can do it. Because right now, I think the crypto space is emerging but there's a lack of, I think, user friendliness, right? Okay. You have all these exchanges, so you have like 
Binance, for example, which is the largest crypto exchange in the world, you have exchanges like uh, Coinbase and you know, Kraken and so on and so forth. But the thing is, each of these exchanges operate almost as its own uh, entity. Okay. Um, so if you open an account with uh, Coinbase and you, know, you do all your trading on there um, and you want to you know, trade on Kraken, you have to open another account. Right. And then, you know, if you want to trade on Binance, you'll open another account. Right. Um, and for someone who's new to the space, they'll probably just stick to one. And that means that they're not actually getting the best prices for their crypto that they're purchasing. And so what we're doing is we're almost creating like an Expedia mm -hmm. for cryptocurrency where we're kind of pulling data from all these different major crypto exchanges and then creating these really smart algorithms that will help the user find the best possible way to purchase a crypto and maybe even split their orders across multiple exchanges without them having to actually create multiple accounts. Or right now, what people have to do is make this complex spreadsheet and write their own Python algorithm that you know tracks the prices on multiple exchanges, right? Yeah. So kind of creating those tools for your average user, right? You're you know, making it so easy that your grandmother can just say, I want to buy $100 Bitcoin, and she can be confident that she's getting the best prices for it. Just like, you know, your grandmother can say, I want to book a hotel, you know, in Ibiza, yep. and see all the prices and know that she's getting the best one. Absolutely. Um, I know exactly how you feel, because I was one of those who built my own yeah. spreadsheet mm -hmm. uh, to figure out where the, where all the prices are. Yeah. Um, literally, it was a custom-made spreadsheet. Like, uh, you found like a script for yep. uh, that can be used on, um, is it uh, Google Sheets? Uh-huh. And it pulled from multiple exchanges. Yes. So I picked like the top 100 cryptos and mm -hmm. it's pulling all the live yeah. currencies from each, <laughs> each ones and then roll like a whole algorithm on like, okay, how to trade, mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, spread the risk amongst like a larger set. Yeah. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of right? work to maintain. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so that's really what we're doing is as a start, right? So we're starting with, you know, what is the real pain point of someone who's perhaps not invested in, in the crypto space getting mm. into it, right? Yeah. It's just like how, how confusing it is to like actually get into it, right? Um, you know, most people don't have your technical expertise, Ravi, to like make this complex spreadsheet and do all these things uh, just to get the best prices for the crypto that they're yeah. buying, right? Um, and so, we're, yeah, we're really creating that user first experience where we're not a crypto exchange, we're really that conduit to kind of increase how easy it is for someone who isn't, doesn't have an exposure to get into it. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we have big, big plans, you know, um, but we're starting there. And then our really, our future vision is we want to create an ecosystem where, like you mentioned, like I had mentioned to you earlier, where people could really invest in the future and the future products that they believe in, right? Okay. And that's actually the true reason why we're in the crypto space. We're in the crypto space not because, you know, crypto is exciting and it's the next big thing, but because we of what you can do with it. Because of what we can do with it. The promise that you can create a world where you can invest in the companies and the future that you believe in, mm -hmm. right? That you can play an active role in shaping the world that you want to see by investing in the companies that are doing the things that you think will lead to a better future for your kids, your grandkids, so your friends, so on and so forth, right? Awesome. Um, so this is Swissborg's uh, page, yeah. website. Yeah. Um, so just based off this, like Swissborg, mm -hmm. you're based out of Switzerland. 
Yes, we are. We're headquartered in Lausanne. So how did that happen? You guys originally from Switzerland, the company. Um, why Switzerland? Well, uh, our co-founders okay. uh, are actually Swiss. Okay. Um, so they're from Switzerland. And uh, Switzerland actually is a really, really great place for building you know, a crypto company. Mm-hmm. And that's because Switzerland has such a stable economy and it has very, um, I think, open-minded laws when it comes to crypto. And I think this is like a huge, huge topic in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space right now is the whole idea of regulation, right? Um, governments don't really know how to deal with crypto because it's like an emerging asset and it's something that has never before been seen in the world. And so we're still in a period right now where people are trying to figure out like how do we deal with crypto, right? I mean, you're ha- you have governments that are you know, used to controlling their monetary policy and, and they don't want to let go of those reins, yeah. right? And I think that's where I think right now crypto is in a very, um, I would say almost like a tipping point where you know, it's so big because you know, depending on the year, because it's or depending on the day actually, um, yeah, the, the market so yeah. fluctuates so much, but somewhere from like 300 billion to 400 billion market cap, right? It's so big that you can't completely shut it down without, you know, having huge impact on the world economy. But at the same time, governments are like, okay, well, how do we how do we work with this, right? And I think the Swiss government is actually very uh, progressive when it comes to cryptocurrency. And the second thing is Switzerland is a very stable place. Uh, it's been neutral for hundreds of years. Um, and so that actually adds that stability and trust when you build a company Plus there. it's like the world's banking capital, right? It's the world's banking capital. And that's a reflection of, you know, the stability of Switzerland, right? Um, that they're neutral. So you're never going to see Switzerland in like a trade war with, you know, another country, or you're never going to see Switzerland sending their armies or, you know, whatever to another country. Um, to forward their own agenda, right? They've always maintained this so, neutral. So it, it's so surpri- that's one of the things that makes it surprising. It's mm-hmm. such a traditionally entrenched business, which mm-hmm. is banking. Yeah. Um, why the world's banking capital will be so embracing of disrupting forces? Is it uh, because they see the, emer- the emergence of a new market. They want to keep being a global leader. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, for Switzerland, it represents another opportunity to be a leader in the financial world. Right. Because when you look at banking, like Swiss banking was kind of a leader in the space. But now because of globalization, um, they're, you know, they're at a point where they're not necessarily a leader in the banking space anymore. Right. Like I've spoken to, you know, Swiss bankers and actually a lot of the people within our company um, worked for, you know, Swiss banks. And so they understand, you know, kind of what's going on there. And the interesting thing that they told me is that, yes, Switzerland used to be a leader in banking, but not anymore. Because, you know, the world's changed with globalization, all of that. You no longer have this country, which is like the banking powerhouse of the world, right? It's kind of all decentralized around the world now. And so I think for Switzerland, that means they need to find a new angle to be a leader in. And crypto kind of falls right into that space where it's still finance, it's still kind of dealing with money, and you're, you're creating this new currency, right? Um, and it's an opportunity for them to kind of be innovative in a brand new space because banking is getting to a point where it doesn't matter where you're located. Yeah, absolutely. So, w- what about your thoughts on like stable coins, like mm-hmm. Facebook's Libra and uh, 
um, other coins like that, like you mm -hmm. see utility in that, because we talked about the fluctuations, mm -hmm. the rapid fluctuation in the crypto market. Um, yeah. You see utility in stable coins and... I do, I do. I think um, right now, one of the issues with crypto is that, you know, if you look at the prices of Bitcoin, like in the past two or three months, it fluctuated from like 14,000 USD to now, I mean, yesterday I checked, it was like 10,300 USD, right, per Bitcoin. With that amount of fluctuation, that makes something like, for example, Bitcoin, a poor uses, use case for actual payments, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're an individual, and you're like, okay, I want to buy this pizza with Bitcoin. Yep. Um, why would I use Bitcoin when, depending on the hour that I buy this pizza, I could be buying this pizza for $4 or $6, right? It doesn't make sense as a true widespread payments yep. um, method. And I think that's one of the core issues with crypto is that there's too much instability for a consumer to say, okay, I want to use this coin because if I didn't buy this slice of pizza today, maybe I could have made an extra two or three dollars if I just waited one more day, yeah. right? It doesn't make sense. Um, and so with something like a stable coin, so today we have like Tether, for yep. example, which is backed by USD, um, and Facebook's Libra, which is again another stable coin, you can actually leverage that blockchain technology, the whole speed, the low transactions, the low transaction uh, fees, the um, transparency, all of that, but have the stability that a commodities or currency backed you know crypto creates where you can be confident that you buying a slice of pizza for you know a dollar today is still going to be roughly a dollar tomorrow and that you're not at a disadvantage for you know spending your money a day early um, and i think that's really really important is that these stable coins represent a way to really have a real world widespread use case in the payment space that leverages all the benefits of blockchain while taking away some of the downsides, which is which comes from speculation, mm -hmm. right? Because you can't speculate on like, well, you can, but on the US dollar, but you're not gonna have that same amount of fluctuation. Perfect, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So with Sysborg, I know you did an ICO mm -hmm. now. Is that a utility token? Is it a security token? I know it's listed on your app here. Mm -hmm. How does it function? Yeah, so our, uh, our token is called the CHSB, yep. um, and what it is, it's actually a utility token. And the reason we chose for it to be a utility token is because, again, it goes back to that community-centric um, underlying mission and vision of our company, is that we really want to create a wealth management ecosystem that's not beholden to you know, institutions, but rather to our actual token holders who are the community that, that you know, believes in what we're doing. And so essentially the CHSB is for the community around the world to uh, invest in the company, to show that they believe in our mission and return, we're gonna provide them with benefits for it, right? So uh, one of the things, utilities, I think that we have for the CHSB token is the referendum. So I think something that's really, really unique about our platform is that we make our, a lot of our decisions through what we call referendums. And so um, every once in a while, we'll hold a referendum where we we'll say, okay, what's the direction you want to see for this platform? And really have the community decide, right? So our most recent one was, you know, did you wanna see a, you know, a web, uh, platform first, or did you want to see a mobile platform first? And we actually put that out into the community um, because they're ultimately going to be the users of our platform. So all of our CHSB hold, uh, holders are um, 
also members of this referendum. And they overwhelmingly voted for a mobile application. And so that's where we invested the money into building a really amazing user first mobile experience and then doing the web first. So uh, web after, holders sorry. of the utility token have voting rights? Is that exactly? They yeah. have voting rights into the direction that we take and how we're investing in their money and how we're using the funds that we raised um, to build you know, whatever, right? Um, and so that's kind of one of the ways that we're so being communicated. How do these holders like, like interface with you guys? Like how do they, how do you hold these referendums? Right, so we actually built a referendum platform. Okay. Yeah, so we have a, a, like a referendum token that gets distributed out to all of our CHSP holders. And then they use this token, again, another use of, you know, blockchain technology to actually vote. And so they can vote in a really transparent way. Right? So is it equal vote? Like anyone who holds one token can vote or is it? Yeah. It depends on how many. It depends on how many, yeah. right? So again, if it's like you know someone holds a lot, then they they hold you know I Majority guess of more more voting power more versus yeah. someone who doesn't. So for every CHSB token, they get a referendum token, right? Um, so, so I think. So that's, do you, what about if it's a fractional amount? Yeah, they could they can vote as a fraction. I think that's okay. one of the interesting things about yeah, okay. about uh, tokenization is that you can have like you know a small percentage of something, right? Yeah. So you know you can like vote like a point point one percent yeah <laughs> which is super interesting which you can't do now yeah definitely mm -hmm. um so people can so this is how your platform looks like from the app this is live yeah, no so we're not launching this until until the end of the year okay so we're we're, we're planning on launching this in q4 um but if you scroll up yep. on on that yeah scroll up there's our community app so this is actually our education uh platform okay and what it is, is it's a way for people who are not necessarily investing in crypto or not familiar with the space to really kind of dip their feet in and get a sense of what it is uh, without actually putting their money in it. Um, so it's a really yeah, You're telling game. me it's yeah. basically like a practice, uh, like, um, yes. like a stock market practice app. Yeah. It's kind of like that for crypto where you yeah. can use fake money to like buy and trade. Yep. Yep. And just learn exactly. from actually doing. Yes. Yes, and then we're actually running a really cool contest on it. There's our, there's our CEO, Cyrus. Okay. This is an old video, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're actually running a really cool contest on there. Okay. Um, and so for every person who's playing uh, on our app, we're adding a dollar to this prize pool. And so essentially it runs until we launch our wealth app. Mm -hmm. And as people predict and get you know, the price of Bitcoin correctly, they earn points, right? And they can bet different amounts of points depending on how confident they are in their prediction. Um, and, you know, we, I think we have over 25,000 uh, players right now. Um, and that means our prize pool is $25,000. And nice. we're going all the way up to half a million. Um, and so, you know, first prize, I think right now gets like over $1,000 and then so on and so forth. It's paid out in Bitcoin. So, you know, uh, it's awesome and it uh, doesn't cost anyone anything. They don't have to invest any money. It's truly an education app, but we're trying to incentivize people and reward people who are doing really well with the predictions. And so I think up to the top 1,000 get some sort of reward at the end uh, on, our, on our global rankings. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. You kind of gamified the learning process, mm -hmm. right? And using that as an inbound strategy to get on board for your app. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, it's great. You're creating a market space for yourself. Absolutely. Um, 
and this is a community app of how, how, how it looks and functions, and this is live. Yeah. Yes, this is live. So basically, this is kind of what the screen looks like. Um, so you basically go in and uh, you go, do I think the price of Bitcoin is going to go up or down from the current price you see? So we actually pull the data directly from, uh, I think it's Coinbase, okay. uh, Coinbase Pro. So it's not by us, it's like, you know, um, from like a very well-respected third party that most people get their, their uh, cryptocurrency prices from. And it basically, you decide like, is it going to go up or down from that price you see right now? Nobody knows actually. So yeah. um, for me, I've been playing it for a while. I think my, my accuracy percentage is like 52%. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing that we've implemented is we also have a cyborg predictor, which is our actual uh, in-house algorithm that's also predicting the prices. And you can see how you do against a cyborg. Uh, and then we also have this, what we call swarm intelligence, which is what everyone else is predicting. And so you can see what your accuracy is versus everyone else in the community and kind of also measure, uh, you know, market sentiment. So what people think the price of Bitcoin will go up or down and if you want to go with or against them. So this reminds me of like the project um, of Agar, Eager. Mm -hmm. um, it's a prediction marketplace where yeah. people can predict things and mm -hmm. as like a, a the... Um, mass of people predict things it mm -hmm. becomes like a uh, literally a tool to predict almost anything yeah exactly. do you guys do you guys utilize the faction that you have like twenty five thousand people using this and multiple data sources mm -hmm. as like to feed your own internal tools Is yeah a, absolutely right so uh one of the again core values of our whole community centric thing is we call swarm intelligence and swarm intelligence is really leveraging the knowledge and the the um you know, enthusiasm of our community to predict, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Whether the price can go up or down. So we're starting with Bitcoin on this app because again, it's an education app. So we're only doing Bitcoin because it's just the most well-known one. Yep. Um, but yeah, so actually in the app, you can see what everyone else is predicting. So you can see like, you know, 54% of the community thinks that Bitcoin's gonna go up in the next 24 hours, right? Mm -hmm. um, or like, Sometimes you'll see instances where our own in-house cyborg predictor actually predicts the opposite of the community and kind of see, you know, how correct one is versus the other. And they can also measure your own um, prediction rates versus against the community and our cyborg predictor. So it's a really interesting way, I think, for someone to learn about the space and also to kind of gauge what everyone else is thinking. Right? Yeah, and it's a great tool for yourself to get some validation on how well your internal system is doing. Yeah. Right, and all those things. That's, Absolutely. That's, that's really good. Yeah, you should definitely um, check it out, Ravi, if you haven't already. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> like, uh, that seems kind of fun to just like uh, play around with. Yeah. Um, so what about these? Like, you have indexes too through the Wealth mm -hmm, app? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that uh, we'll be launching as well in our Wealth app is these indexes, right? Because with investing in cryptocurrency right now, um, it's very confusing, right? So again, for someone who's not in the space, who, you know, isn't actively reading about crypto and, and, and um, uh, mm -hmm. researching it, right. it's like, okay, I know Bitcoin, but like, what else? Like, what's Ethereum? You know, what's Litecoin? What are all these different things? I heard about Dogecoin. Is that any good, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so what we're doing is we're creating these indexes yep. uh, where, you know, for example, the SB5 is the top five cryptocurrencies by market capitalization, and we weight them and we'll rebalance them for you so that kind of think, again, in the Canadian market, like a wealth simple where it's like, okay, we'll put your money in this 
you know, portfolio that we've created for you that's risk adjusted, that's, you know, um, properly diversified and will rebalance it for you over time. Um, so you don't have to worry about it, mm. right? You don't have to go, okay, well, now that, you know, Bitcoin's gone to the moon, um, my portfolio is super skewed, right? We'll actually rebalance that for you. And again, it's around the whole idea of making investing in crypto as accessible as possible, right? And so this is the way our way of doing it for uh, diversification. So right now, I think we have the SB5, the SB10, and the SB20. So depending on how risk, yeah, you know, how, how exactly your risk tolerance, you can kind of dive deeper into the, the crypto. Um, so these are products that are more... Um, stable or, or not, depending on your risk tolerances. Exactly. And a little easier to digest and learn about. Yeah, and then actually beyond this is, uh, so that's what we're starting with, but we're actually, our overall long-term vision is to, again, going back to the whole idea of investing in the companies and the future that you believe in. So we're starting with these indexes because it's kind of very um, easy, everyone yeah. understands, yeah. but really our ultimate goal is to create a platform where people can actually create customized portfolios of the types of things they want to believe in. So for example, if you're like, I really want to, uh, I really believe in clean tech, right? Well, we can create a portfolio for you that's token, like a tokenized portfolio for you of companies that are focused on clean tech, right? Mm -hmm. Or I believe in, um, I don't know, fair trade, um, no child labor, all these things. Well, we'll create a portfolio for you of companies that meet those values. And I think right now today, in today's wealth management ecosystem, that's really hard, right? Yeah. It's like, now, will these be traditional companies or like just crypto-based companies or blockchain-based companies? So we don't, we don't think of, you know, companies as blockchain or crypto versus traditional, right? Because technically any asset can be tokenized, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you can tokenize a traditional company, you can tokenize a startup. Um, Tokenization is really, we think, a way for people to invest in companies in a way that they couldn't before with, you know, the traditional traditional stock market. Because, you know, if you you want to put your your company on the stock market, you have to you know, go through all these regulations, spend millions of dollars on all these, you know, notaries and and all of that, and then finally you have to be big enough to be able to issue shares and put yourself on the stock market, right? Yeah. Well, with tokenization, it significantly cuts down the costs, right? So kind of like what Polymath is talking about. But yeah, like basically create these portfolios. Like, do you want to invest in big companies, small companies? Do you So really allow a way for people to just customize what they want, right? And I think that's our ultimate goal is to create that platform. That's amazing. So we see the emergence a lot of like uh, ETFs now in the crypto space, mm -hmm. electronically traded funds. Mm -hmm. How are those different from indexes? And do you guys mm -hmm. do that as well? Um, so with ETFs, right, a lot of them, especially if they're based out of the United States, mm -hmm. um, they're not directly, like when you purchase an ETF today, a lot of them, you're not directly owning a piece of that cryptocurrency, okay. right? What they're doing is, because of regulation right now, when you buy an ETF, that ETF, the funds are investing in companies that are then indirectly invested in cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. if that makes sense, I mean, crypto companies, okay. right? So you're not actually owning a piece of that company yourself. You're owning a piece of a company that is then invested in, so it's almost like a arm's length exposure, right? 
Um, so that's something that I think a lot of people who invest in these crypto ETFs don't really realize is that they're actually not directly, you know, they don't own a piece of Litecoin or Bitcoin or, you know, whatever um, token. They actually own a piece of a company that then invests in these things, right? So what's the pros and cons between like a, a traditional index versus an ETF? Um, so, I mean, with our indexes, you own a piece of that crypto. Okay. Right. So you, for example, if you're invested in like SB5 index, uh, you own Bitcoin, like you actually own some Bitcoin, you own yep. some Ethereum, you own some Ripple, like those tokens you have, and you can actually put that in your hard wallet, right? Versus an ETF, it's managed by somebody else. So you don't actually own a piece of that, like you, you um, let's say that ETF goes down, it's gone, right? Like you're you're not directly an owner of that coin or whatever. So I think that's a huge, huge difference is that with our indexes, you're owning a piece of whatever asset you're invested in versus, you know, you're essentially paying someone to own a piece of this ETF that then, you know, if that ETF goes under or whatever, you hear mutual funds going under or so on and so forth, um, you know, you, you might actually lose your money. Yeah, so with, so that's very interesting. So this is more like an auto buyer, auto trader mm -hmm. that's actually buying based off yes. like a percentage into your direct account yes. that you hold directly exactly. and you can move, move around. Exactly. So, okay, right? so you're not necessarily buying a, a piece of a fund. You're not buying a piece of a fund, right? So you're owning a piece, like we're deciding for you how much of each crypto to buy, but really you're the owner of it. Okay. And then we'll rebalance it for you by, you know, like if you allow <coughs> us to. Mm -hmm you know, sell portions of it, right? But if you really want to, you can technically withdraw all those assets to your hard wallets and we can't touch it. Can somebody go in and set like a balance themselves? Like I want to get this percentage, I want to put in 50 bucks a month mm -hmm. and buy this percentage of Bitcoin, this percentage of this coin. Yeah, this absolutely. They can do that absolutely. themselves? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that like that's the whole idea. Is that's that, the whole idea, okay. Is that we're, we're automating, you know, oh, okay. you know, how you buy and sell. So all people can be like, uh, I want to throw $50 per month mm -hmm. or $100 per month, $500 mm -hmm. per month mm -hmm. into into crypto. Exactly. Right, and that's, that's what you guys do. Yeah, you could you could definitely do that. Like that that that'd be a feature. And what does it come out of? Like, does it have to come out of your credit card? Can it come out of your bank account? Um, so we partner with I can't remember off the top of my head right now, and I'm sure our engineers will will laugh at me for this, but uh, we partner with um, a payment processor. Yeah. So I think initially when we launch, we'll be able to take fiat. We'll okay. be able to take um, so fiat. We can take uh, you know bank wire transfers. Um, we can take. Uh, crypto. So if you want to fund your account with crypto, not too sure about credit cards. We'll have to get back to you on that one, but probably. Um, so yeah, people can just fund their accounts with you know whatever method works best for them. Sorry. So you can fund it with crypto. So you can from other exchanges you can throw it in here. Exactly. So and does that rebuy other other things with that crypto, or does it just go into your account? So essentially, you fund your account, right? Yep. So you say, I want to put in like I don't know, a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin that I hold into my account, you fund it, and then you can then trade that Bitcoin into other cryptocurrencies, right? Or you can yep. sell that Bitcoin on our platform, uh, you know, and, and get, you know, USD or whatever out of it. Okay, so that's what I'm um, wondering about, the actual interface with your accounts, mm -hmm. right? So if you want to put, if you want to fund your account from your bank account mm -hmm. or can withdraw funds, mm -hmm. that's completely possible. You can get yep. it out, out of TD, yep. or, um, RBC, yep. all that. Yep, yeah. yep, you just, 
you know, link your bank account mm -hmm. um, and you can just, yeah, fund it with uh, like a direct deposit. I know so direct, like, wire what's going with that? I know banks were giving a lot of hard times with that, mm -hmm. uh, especially Visa was like, if you buy Bitcoin off uh, Visa cards, they'll ban mm -hmm. you, will cut, you know, will cut your card. Yeah. Right, that happened for a little while. Is that yeah. still going on? What, what, what's the process there? Um, what's, the, what's the conversation? <laughs> right, so I think right now, again, it's the whole thing with regulation, right? Yeah. There's a lot of gray space in there and there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, so with us, like they're not buying crypto directly with their Visa card. They're saying, okay, I want to deposit this amount of money into my account. And then from the account, right. purchase crypto, right? So, I mean, once it leaves the Visa card and goes into their account, Visa loses track of what, the, what happens to the money afterwards, right? So I think that's like one of the ways that we're getting around that. Um, and the other thing is, I think, as crypto becomes more widespread as you know, a, an investment and as a way for people to um, put their money into like an alternative form of investment versus the traditional mutual funds or whatever, um, it'll become more widely accepted. Right. I mean, if you look at Toronto, like, you know, it like in downtown, there's actually all these Bitcoin ATMs and they accept like, you know, Visa cards. Yeah. You can use your bank card to purchase Bitcoin directly. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think so. I think over time it will become less and less of an issue as it becomes more widespread. Um, but yeah, like today in, in Toronto, you can like go downtown, you know, Bay and College or any of these like convenience stores and there's a Bitcoin ATM. You can literally just buy Bitcoin, you know, yep. from an ATM, which is very, very cool. That's awesome. So with crypto on board, like one of the biggest conversations became KYC and AML, mm -hmm. right? Automating, um, knowing your customer and uh, anti-money laundering. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of solutions do you guys provide or work with for that? Um, well, don't that, remember off top, again, yeah. I don't know all our vendors off the top of my head, okay. um, but yeah, so basically uh, we partner with a company that specializes in KYC and AML. And so for the user, so we don't do the technology ourselves uh, because we're focused on building the wealth management platform and KYC AML is a whole other, yep. you know, entire software suite in itself. So we're going to focus on what we do best, which is building our platform for, for managing crypto. But we've outsourced and we're partnering with, you know, a leader in, in the KYC AML space. And so what they're doing is we're linking to their API. And then when a user signs up for an account with us, you know, they go through this whole KYC AML process. Um, you know, they'll look, you know, take a screenshot of your face, your ID, whatever, yeah. and then verify your ID that way. Um, I also know that in Toronto, there's actually a, uh, all the major banks are using um, kind of blockchain technology. I don't know if you've heard them, um, verify.me. Okay, maybe. Yeah, so it's very, very interesting. Sure. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. So um, Verify.me is a company that essentially does identity verification. Okay. Um, and they're leveraging blockchain technology to do this. And I know like... So it's like a digital uh, identity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all the big banks are like signed up to this. So essentially they're verifying people's uh, identities with blockchain technology, right? Is so it verified? Yep, verify.me. Yep. Yeah, and then scroll down. Right? And you can see like all the big, big banks are part of their network, okay. right? And so if you verified your identity with one of these institutions, you don't need to verify it again with the other ones. And so I think 
this is actually a huge, huge application of what blockchain technology is and what it can do. Um, because today, you know, you go to a bank, you open, you know, a checking account or a TFSA or whatever, right? And then you decide that you're going to go over to another institution and open, I don't know, get insurance or whatever, right? You have to literally redo your entire identity verification process again, right? Or if you hold multiple accounts, you have to do your identity verification over and over and over again, fill out the same paperwork, it's really long, you bring your driver's license in person you know, to the bank branch and they have to verify it, right? Like, why do you need to do that if you can just verify it once, right? If you verify it once with any institution, you can just, you know, yeah, we, have that applied to all the other ones. Yeah. And I think that is one of the biggest, I think, game changers with blockchain is that you can do something like that. No, absolutely. I think um, that's one of the most exciting things that blockchain is identity verification, mm -hmm. the online identity keys. Yes. Um, there's a few cybersecurity companies working on like how to better securitize these, and mm -hmm. like, I've been watching that. I've been following that a lot really? as well. It's definitely one of the applications of blockchain that I'm very interested in. Yeah. Because I mean, think about it. Like, if you're online, use your email to make all these different accounts. Mm -hmm. If your email gets blocked or hacked or some of that, you're now suddenly susceptible like susceptible to so many different sites and so many different yes. usages right mm -hmm. uh, and then you have all these different passwords used for each mm -hmm. site and like you gotta remember all that like if you can have like, an online key that mm -hmm. can open your access points to all these different sites yeah it's much easier for everybody right? exactly exactly so yeah I, I think like beyond just crypto I know we've been talking a lot about crypto but I think the real like the really most exciting thing to me is just blockchain right mm -hmm. um, like I know there's a lot of companies right now, like um, like the big four consulting companies and all of that, they're actually investing in their own blockchain technology like arms, right? Yep. Um, and I think that speaks to the fact that blockchain isn't just hype, right? There's, yeah. there's real kind of excitement around it and there's real world applications. And I think right now, I'm, like we're, we're in a time right now where it's getting to the point where the technology is like mature enough that you can actually start seeing real-world applications with it with institutions such as Verified.me, but it's still not at that point where every single person is using it, right? So I think that's what makes blockchain such an exciting space, yep. is that for me, it's almost like if you were, you know, working on the internet in the early days before everyone had internet in their homes, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the way we're putting it. Mm -hmm. It's like a whole new different technology that's like, disrupting the world, interconnecting it in different ways, mm -hmm. and it allows for a lot more possibility. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Like, um, I think one of the really, really interesting things that I heard last week, or this week when I was at that blockchain conference, was uh, I was talking to somebody and they were, you know, trying to create this whole internet, like Web 3.0, yep. right? That's around the idea of, you know, everything connected by blockchain. And I was like, how does that, how does that even work, right? Like, I mean, blockchain is, you know, transparent and all that, but like, how does that even work from creating a whole entire internet? But I think that speaks to the possibility of beyond just, you know, tracking, you know, where this peach came from or tracking someone's identity. Um, there's a potential that you're creating this whole decentralized network where people can communicate with each other with transparency, where people can, you know, uh, collaborate, right? Um, but yeah, like, I, I think that's, that's so exciting, right? That is exciting, yeah. That's so exciting. Like, think about it. Like, you could have this whole, like, new era of what internet was for us, right? Like, yeah. 
think of like 1995 when the internet first came. Yeah, it's like the transmission. The first internet was the web. Mm -hmm. Internet, pretty much yeah. the web uh, 1.0. And mm -hmm. 2.0 was the internet where everything got interlinked. So first yes. it was just websites, yes. static websites you we visit. Yeah. And then the internet was the websites interlinked together. Mm -hmm. Right. The web 3.0 was more supposed to be the internet of things, right? Where yes. things are networked together. But yeah. the blockchain technology is like the backbone of that. Yep. Right? Like how hyperlinks was for the internet. Yeah. Blockchain is like provide that trustless um, ledger, mm -hmm. right? Ledger technology that can like actually, you know, make sure the information is correct. Yeah. And um, verified and mm -hmm. non-tampered to yeah. allow that like trustless transactions. Yes. And I yeah. think that's so important because, I mean, you know, in the world today, you're increasing. I mean, I don't want to go too much into this, but uh, kind of you're seeing instances where governments are censoring people or, you know, people are trying ways to censor the Internet or censor what people see. Right. And that's, I think, where something like blockchain really comes in, because when you have a centralized system like the Internet, for example, is really centralized, like yep. your server is hosted by so and so. And so if someone wants to, you know, censor something, they can go in, they can just erase the data and yep. it's gone. I mean, technically, you can argue that not, you know, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. But really, you can censor what people see and can censor that flow of information. Mm -hmm. But with blockchain, especially with a public blockchain, where it's decentralized across multiple computers, multiple servers, you know, multiple people who all don't know each other, it's almost impossible to censor the way that information is presented. And so I think that's why something like blockchain is so important for as we're evolving today, right? Um, because you're getting to a situation where, you know, you hear so much about, oh, like this is propaganda, this is censoring. Like what's true information, what's fake information, what's fake news, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and blockchain solves a lot of those issues. It's just a matter of how do we do it, right? Like yeah. we know about the technology, but how do we make that technology work in a way for us, right? Like, how do we make it work in the way that we need it to work? And I think blockchain, unfortunately, is still in that stage. It's, it's still in infancy. It's yeah. still in its infancy. We're still trying to figure out how exactly to, to best leverage it, right? Um, so I think the next 10 years will be super exciting. Absolutely. So just wrapping up by going, by going back to mm -hmm. Sysborg, um, mm -hmm. what are, I mean, you guys are in a very exciting space. Mm -hmm. um, you guys are definitely, um, moving your product along in a very um, systematic manner, mm -hmm. first training people on you know, how to better uh, interface with mm -hmm. uh, technologies like uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin better, mm -hmm. uh, giving knowledge tools, um, and then routing them towards the actual wealth management platform. Yeah. Uh, what, what are problems that you guys are facing? What's your biggest problem right now? Um, I think a couple fold. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the top one is going to be regulation, right? Because, you know, as we spoke about earlier, cryptocurrency right now is in a space where it's almost like a tipping point, yep. right? Like Libra really sparked this conversation about what is crypto and should we support it, right? And um, governments are trying to figure out where does crypto fall within kind of the wider monetary ecosystem, right? Um, you know, you have governments like in India who just straight up banned yeah. All crypto, right? Uh, you have, you know, China, for example, that banned ICOs and, and banned, you know, SEOs and things like that. But, you know, in a weird way, you can still invest in like existing crypto, which is like an, an interesting interpretation of it. And then you have, you know, in Europe where for the most part it's legal, 
you can invest in crypto, it's all good. So I think governments in the around the world are still trying to reach consensus on exactly how to deal with it. And so for companies like us, who are you know, about creating this crypto investment platform, how that shakes out will really determine the direction we head in, right? Um, so that, I think that's one, is that regulatory gray space not only creates uncertainty for companies that are in the crypto space, but also creates uncertainty for investors because then they're going, okay, well, if governments can shut down crypto, should I really put my money in it, right? Should I really be investing in crypto, right? That, that creates that uncertainty and that in some ways discourages people from putting their money into it. Yep. I think that's one. I think number two is because of the lack of regulation, um, unfortunately, you have a lot of individuals and a lot of companies that are using this lack of regulation to create instances where they're taking advantage of people and they're taking advantage of people's belief in this technology to essentially scam them, right? Um, I mean, you hear, you know, one of the first big hacks was Mt. Gox, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, the, the, they created this, the first top exchange in the world and they just ran off with the money, yep. right? Um, and there has been, you know, in- Quadriga. Exactly, Quadriga CX in yep. Canada, right? Where, you know, I know a lot of friends personally who had their money on this platform and that, you know, what happened with Quadriga and the fact that, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars was lost, like people's savings, right, that they put into this platform because they believed in the promise of crypto, um, it really shakes their confidence in it and it discourages people from investing in it again because they got burned, right? Um, you have, you know, companies like, I don't know if you've heard of this, like a huge internet meme, like I think it was like Bit, BitConnect. Yeah. Okay. Right. Where where it was essentially a Ponzi scheme. You yeah. Know? Yeah. They were promising people like, oh, daily, like, you know, 100 percent returns. Right. And, you know, for people who are knowledgeable about investment safe, like they can clearly see this is a scam. Like there's no way, like no way you can make 100 percent returns a day consistent. Like this is impossible. Right. But for people who are more vulnerable, who are not knowledgeable about investment space, this sounds like such a great thing. And they timed it with like the bull run they of 2017, right? So everyone's exactly. like, oh, it's already going up, so it makes sense. Exactly. They timed the bull run. You have a bunch of people who are, you know, like a lot of their, the people who are defrauded by them are from emerging countries where, you know, they thought this was their way out of their poverty, situation, yeah. their way out of poverty. And I think that's the real unfortunate thing is that you have companies like these that are taking advantage of the hype, I would say, of cryptocurrency to defraud people. And so for platforms that are legitimately trying to do good things, the people that you're trying to help might have been burned already by you know, someone else who don't have their best interests at heart. And that's something that we have to overcome as well is you know, even now, like sometimes I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the cryptocurrency space. And they'll be like, is that a scam? Right? Like they hear the big headlines and they don't, they kind of don't necessarily hear the other half of it. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. Yeah. Everything. Um, thank you for sharing your thoughts on the crypto space and educating all of us on, um, on the space a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And uh, really excited about the Swiss board uh, platform. I'm going to go download the app, try to yeah. play my luck against Please the do. market. Please do. Tell me how you do. I'm going to give yeah. you my referral code. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah, let me know. Um, well, I'll check it out.
Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, like, is when is uh, things launching the actual uh, wealth management platform? Yeah, so we're launching in Q4 of this year. This year, okay. Yeah, so look forward to it. Um, but in the meantime, we you know release a whole ton of education content. So we have Crypto Nights, uh, which is our YouTube channel. Um, we've had some really really big speakers on there, like Tom Lee of Fundstrat, and he's like one of the you know top Bitcoin bulls uh, mm-hmm. on Wall Street. We had. Um, Mr. Antonopoulos, uh, which is you know you know one of the foremost leaders uh, and, and thinkers in the crypto space, and like I mentioned, we have, you know Polymath, which is a yep. uh, Toronto company, and, and so many others. So definitely check that out. In the meantime, check out our you know app. Let us know what you think. By the way, we're always collecting feedback, you know, constructive feedback. For sure. Um, and we release tons of articles on Medium about you know different things about crypto investing, like what are the what are indicators, what are you know what is Bitcoin, you know what is an STO, like all these questions that people often have. Um, we try and answer them as well. So you know, while you're waiting, while you're waiting for a wealth app, like we have we have tons of content and. And that's things. amazing. So using mm-hmm. the content to educate people, so they build that trust factor. Exactly. Um, so that's the onboarding mechanism there, instead yeah. of just marketing, blast marketing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, we're, we're really trying to build something for the community, yeah. right? And I think something the community needs is more education, right? Absolutely. Well, great. This has been awesome. Thank you for coming on. No, thank and, you so uh, much for chatting with me. I an really hour just blew by, guys. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Good stuff. This is good. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank <laughs> you.